0: chapter four of bismarck and the origin of the german empire by f m Powick this librivox recording is in the public domain read by pamela Nagami. prussia and the revolution of eighteen forty eight the principles of parliamentary and monarchical government were more evenly balanced in prussia than they were in any other european state and as prussia is the greatest state in germany the course of the conflict between these principles in prussia decided the fate of modern germany in the rest of the federation the constitutional party had a comparatively straightforward task it faced clear issues and either captured the state or more often compromised the situation in prussia was more intense prussia was the most artificial of states yet was large enough and was becoming coherent enough to have a national life of its own the national rising against napoleon had shown that the king had even more need of his people than the people had of him on the other hand prussian unity had been achieved by the monarchy and was maintained by the army in the new nationalism the king held almost a mystical place as the head of an organized people All parties were more or less under the spell. Until the end of the 18th century, the government was that of an absolute monarchy. The institutions of the various provinces were abolished or reduced to impotence. The king ruled his scattered territories through his servants, just as he ruled his army through his officers. But the various provinces had little, if any, sense of their common life the king outside his own estates left the social system untouched in each province the class distinctions of feudalism remained a peasant for example was not a citizen of Brandenburg or silesia still less of the kingdom of prussia he was rather the vassal of his lord to whom he owed service and who judged him in his court the burgess was bound by the duties and privileges of his town and guild he was a burgess and nothing more the nobility as they had no civic duties outside their estates as they paid no taxes and no longer controlled the policy of the province through the local diets or assemblies were unable to express provincial or national feeling they found new interests at the court and in the army During this period of benevolent despotism, the Prussian state was created, but public opinion in the provinces ceased to exist. The disgrace of Prussia at the Battle of Jena in 1806 and the domination of Napoleon revived local patriotism, especially in the eastern provinces or Prussia proper. They did more. They created a Prussian nationality, this is not the place in which to speak at length of the work accomplished by stein and his colleagues but in the marvellous years before eighteen fifteen the army was reorganized on the basis of national service and the old social system was shattered stein was a born administrator who was also capable of inspiration he had been deeply impressed by the successful organization of france under the convention during the critical years of the revolution he saw two things clearly first that the pedantic cameral science so dear to the german bureaucrat could be transformed into a great art of political government which would bind the prussian state into a living whole and secondly that a great civil service must be drawn from and rest upon the people stein's predecessors had regarded the state as an external power which kept together the different orders of society stein regarded it as the natural expression of a society of freemen he took the existing divisions of prussia its provinces districts communes and towns and he dreamed of working them into a great administrative plan on the one hand the king and his civil service were to stand on the other the hierarchy of local councils of commune circle or district and province crowned by the national parliament part of this dream alone was fulfilled the peasants were freed and put in the way of acquiring in freehold the greater part of their lands the towns were given a democratic government in which every inhabitant shared as a citizen enough was done to win freedom for prussia and to establish the modern state on the basis of personal freedom even during the succeeding years of reaction the new civil service carried on the purely administrative side of stein's work with admirable efficiency in economic affairs especially the new spirit found ready access long before the demand for a political constitution had become effective the principle of free trade between prussia and its neighbours had been established by prussian ministers the result was the famous zollverein or customs union which gradually gave economic unity to the whole of north germany and did more than any other thing to make the empire possible yet the great men who had saved prussia had not attempted to solve the most difficult problems which faced the new state by the settlement of vienna prussia became the largest german state with resources comparable to those of austria the future relations between germany and prussia had to be defined before the fate of germany could be known was prussia as an organized military monarchy to aim at the exclusion of austria from the confederation and at the absorption of the other states or was it to gain the same end in a different way by merging itself in the larger nationalism of germany or was there to be a federation under the direction of prussia and if so of what kind it is remarkable that stein's sense of nationality was so vague that he had no clear answer to these questions he was not a prussian and yet had worked for prussia rather than for germany He was an administrator and had aimed at a working settlement between the forces of monarchy and popular feeling. He had not concerned himself with distant consequences. So far as he and his successors dealt with the larger problem of German unity, they seemed to have passed from one scheme to another. The negative compromise of 1815 was the result. In Prussia also there was little certainty as to the future the natural completion of stein's work would have been a national constitution and a parliament and in 1815 frederick william the third actually promised a constitution but it is probable that stein had not clearly faced the fact that a constitutional assembly with ministers responsible to it was the logical outcome of his ideas he had raised a nation and reshaped the civil service but he had not shown how the national will was to be expressed and how the civil servants were to be controlled all kinds of answers were forthcoming the bureaucrats wished to disregard the idle dreams of prussian or german nationalism and to remain under the control of the crown alone the conservative romantics desired to restore the old powers of the nobility to revive the feudal institutions of the provinces and to inspire the new bureaucracy with the ideal of a new crusade in which prussia at the head of germany should stand for social order and true religion the liberals on the other hand who were partly influenced by english practice desired a parliamentary constitution but were not very clear whether this was to be an end in itself or a means to a united liberal germany obviously the difficulty lay in the feeling of nationality was prussia or german aspiration to be the stronger metternich as we have seen forced liberalism to express itself in local effort and the attempt to shape constitutional instruments within the circle of local influences would inevitably strengthen local patriotism the great teachers in the universities had stirred up patriotic feelings against a common enemy but had not directed them to a definite object when fichte spoke of the nation as the embodiment of the eternal he spoke both for prussia and for germany he wished the organized prussian monarchy to take the lead yet he dreamt at the same time of an ideal german republic bent not upon conquest but upon the things of the spirit yet the prussian liberals were mainly inspired by forces which were not prussian or at least were not confined to prussia some of their leaders came from other parts of germany the rhenish provinces of the kingdom which took the lead in liberal propaganda were under the influence of the laws and institutions introduced during the french occupation and several eastern provinces were drawn in the same direction by the racial ambitions of their non-german inhabitants a close observer who wrote in eighteen forty five noticed that the customs union had created problems which lying outside the scope of the bureaucracy had strained the administrative machinery and made a change of government necessary moreover the union had given weight and opportunity to the constitutional influences of the southern states Finally, some cases of acute industrial distress, the distress which afflicted the whole of Europe at this time, had tended to enlarge the sympathies of the liberals and to bring them to an understanding with the cosmopolitan ideas of the Republicans. The value of the philosophical legislation which had reconstructed Prussia thirty years before became apparent at this crisis. In spite of the variety of parties, and the influence of the non-Prussian elements in Prussia, the national unity of the state was unbroken. Some sort of constitution was clearly necessary, but a constitution could only strengthen, it could not weaken the state. The crown could no longer keep the state together without help, but it was still the symbol of unity, and any change which strengthened Prussian unity might be used to strengthen the monarchy. These considerations bring us to the paradox in the history of German liberalism. The constitutional movement in Prussia was inextricably connected with the wider movement in Germany as a whole, yet the more successful it was, the more difficult the work of German unity became. Prussian nationality stood in the way of German nationality. The crisis of 1848 made this clear and opened the way to a new school of thinkers and statesmen of whom bismarck was the chief the revolutionary movement of eighteen forty eight affected all the german states it was not merely a constitutional agitation it forced into utterance all the vague racial national and socialistic feelings of the european peoples for a time the austrian empire was shattered and while the various races within its borders were struggling for independence a racial antagonism to it stirred the revolutionaries in germany the national assembly which met at Frankfurt, and setting the federal diet to one side began to contrive a german constitution was moved by this as by the other cravings of the time with infinite difficulty the national liberals under the leadership of Gagern managed to get together a majority in favour of an advanced compromise. Germany was to be a federal state as of old, and so was to maintain historic traditions. But the central parliament was to be democratic, elected by universal suffrage, exercising control over ministers, able to override the temporary veto of the sovereign. The new federation was to be German, that is to say it was to have the same limits as the old federation including the german provinces of austria but it was to be so strong in its new unity that the supremacy of the austrian empire could no longer be possible a german head who should express the german and unified character of the state might be found it was hoped in the king of prussia frederick william IV of prussia refused the crown of germany and the Frankfurt assembly immediately fell to pieces the causes of his refusal deserve careful attention for they illustrate the difficulties which stood in the way not only of a liberal but of any german federation the character of the king of prussia was probably the most important factor in german politics at that time frederick william the was not endowed with a powerful or constructive intellect but he was so full of prejudices and of romantic generous instincts that it was impossible to hurry him or to drive him his nature was to test all the proposals by reference to precedent to suspect all changes which did not accord with his ideal of harmony between prince and people he felt very keenly the need for the affection of his subjects but he could not understand why they did not see the problem of the present as he did through the spectacles of the past he believed in the necessity of political institutions through which ruler and ruled might work together for the common good but he believed also in the divine right of the prussian monarchy in the rights of the various german states and of their rulers in the essential distinction between political and non-political classes and in the claim of austria to the respectful deference of all germans hence he alternately roused the affection and suspicion of his subjects and neighbours he was by turns confident and irresolute constantly thwarting hopes which he had himself created when german unity was in the way of being realised frederick william was keenly interested in the attempt tempted to accept the leadership but fundamentally opposed to the plan which was finally placed before him if the constitutional party had been united throughout germany the king of prussia would probably have been forced to surrender to the assembly of Frankfurt. but being composed of various elements it delayed its deliberations long enough to allow the reactionaries to rally frederick william and his advisers were enabled to play off the prussian against the german constitutionalists The Revolution of 1848 produced a Prussian constitution which, by a most curious and interesting progress of events, became the chief bulwark against the advance of German democracy. The German emperor is still entrenched behind it as King of Prussia, and is able, in virtue of the authority which it reserves to him, to withstand the demand of the democratic parties for full parliamentary government in the empire as a whole the history of Prussian, as distinct from German constitutionalism, may be said to begin with the accession of Frederick William IV in 1840 and to close with Bismarck's great success in 1866. It comprises two critical periods, the one lasting from the spring of 1848 to the beginning of 1850, the other lasting from 1862 onwards. During the first crisis, the hopes of the German national liberals were destroyed. During the second, Bismarck became first minister and successfully maintained the independent rights of his master, King William I. The Prussian constitution was distinguished from that desired by the German liberals in being granted by the king and not wrested from him. In this it resembles several of the constitutions granted by other German sovereigns after 1815. At his accession, Frederick William IV had made it known that he intended to fulfil the promises made in 1815, but when in 1847, after long and tiresome delay, he did expound his plan, he simply restored the old provincial assemblies and formed a central assembly or united Landtag by bringing them together in a parliament of two houses this plan had in his eyes all the merits of the medieval system it provided for the cooperation of king and people but the dangerous element in the popular will was checked by the provincial divisions into classes the new assembly possessed very limited powers and was entirely dependent for its meetings and indeed for its existence upon the king the constitutionalists regarded it as a money-granting machine which in no way deprived the crown of full sovereignty hence when the revolution broke out a year later berlin was affected by the popular enthusiasm no less than paris or vienna frederick william was forced to promise a constitution of a more modern type a national assembly was summoned and a long series of negotiations and debates began about the future prussian state these discussions lasted until january eighteen fifty. First, a powerful ministry which saw the folly of reaction and passive resistance to the new ideas was formed under Count Brandenburg. The assembly was transferred from the influence of the Berlin populace and afterwards dissolved. In the next place, the king was persuaded to issue a constitution on his own initiative on the fifth of december eighteen forty eight this act had most important results. It showed that the king was willing to keep his promises, while it limited the royal power only so far as the king desired. The problem of sovereignty was not raised. Moreover, the Act of December showed that the new ministry had declared itself against the Frankfurt Assembly. Prussia was to remain a unity, and was to remain strong, there was to be no more talk of merging Prussia in a democratic Germany. As the correspondence of the time is studied, it becomes more and more clear that the Oktoyirung, or promulgation of December, meant the end of the popular movement in Germany. Count Brandenburg and his colleagues were clear-sighted enough to see that the moderate and conservative elements in Prussia could be trusted. They were bold enough to compromise. The devotion to the crown as the symbol of Prussian unity returned. All the elements, including the Catholic Church, which feared the work of the Frankfurt Assembly, rallied to the ministry. Prussia retained the right to work for German unity in her own way and on her own terms. The decree of 5th December was only the beginning of the struggle. The details of the constitution had yet to be discussed and as the reaction won its victories throughout europe frederick william became increasingly hostile to the moderate scheme which was prepared by the ministry of the new diet at last however in january eighteen fifty he took the oath to maintain the constitution which is still in force in spite of his previous objections he allowed a piece of paper to lie between himself and his people the Prussian Constitution is a curious mixture of ideas and influences. It lays down abstract rights in the manner of French revolutionary documents, and seeks to safeguard them by copying English institutions. The legislative assemblies show the influence of the older system of estates, as well as of the early nineteenth-century constitutions of Belgium and other countries. Yet the chambers are in reality so composed as to protect the principle That the sovereign rights of the king are not limited, but rather directed by the constitution. The first chamber or upper house, for example, is composed partly of the landed aristocracy, partly of persons nominated by the crown, and was thus from the first obedient to the direction of the crown. Again, by the electoral law of 1849, the second chamber represents the filtered and not the direct opinion of the electorate the electoral law was promulgated during the first months of the reaction. By it, universal suffrage was retained, but the division of the electors into three classes gave the real voting power to those citizens who were least likely to oppose the government. The aggregate wealth of the electors in each district is, according to this scheme, assessed, and the voters are arranged upon the lists in the order of their wealth the first electoral class is composed of those whose aggregate wealth amounts to a third of the total wealth the second class of those next upon the list whose aggregate also amounts to a third and the third class of all the remainder each of these classes then nominates an equal number of electors to an electoral college which chooses the member for the division hence the electoral college contains men who may represent the views some of a dozen others of several thousand voters the full effect of this electoral law has not been realised until our own day when the growth of large cities inhabited by a poor radical proletariat has become an increasing danger to the traditional structure of society it explains the fact that while in the reichstag or imperial assembly a social democratic party is rapidly growing socialism has an insignificant place in the prussian parliament during the period of the reaction after 1850 the king and government of prussia relied rather upon the first chamber and the bureaucracy to check any further advances by the liberals most of the reforms which would have strengthened the constitutional party and continued the work begun by stein such as the organization of the rural commune or the withdrawal of powers of police from the lords of the manors had been left over for future settlement no settlement was reached a combination of conservatives of bureaucrats and of the high and dry clergy of the lutheran church uneasy and vacillating combination though it was succeeded in checking all further advance the deputies, in spite of the eagerness and intelligence of many, could do nothing in the face of the court, the upper house, and the local gentry. A change came in 1857. Owing to insanity, Frederick William ceased to rule during the last four years of his life, and was replaced by his brother William. William, after a regency of four years, became king in 1861 welcomed at first as an ally of the liberals he soon realised the essential differences which prevented an alliance between king and parliament in prussia his character admitted no hesitation and he found a new ally in bismarck End of chapter four